Welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we will be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly and hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Today is a very special episode to kick off the new year and a new era of governing in Ridgewood. On our show today, we welcome Mayor Paul Vagianos and Deputy Mayor Pamela Perrin. They were both sworn in last week. And let me just say the political arena is not for the faint of heart. As you know, it's very difficult to entice America's best and brightest to stand up and serve. So I want to take this opportunity to thank both Paul and Pam for adding the responsibility of representing Ridgewood to their already impressive resumes. I'll quickly go over a few items, starting with Paul. He's been a Ridgewood resident for 25 years and is a local business owner. He's been an attorney for 38 years and served as the New Jersey Deputy Attorney General. Paul is very involved with the village of Ridgewood and has served multiple terms as president of the Ridgewood Chamber of Commerce. He's the co-founder of the Ridgewood Pedestrian Plaza and another remarkable initiative that many of you are familiar with, Feed the Front Lines, Helping Those in Need. Uh, Paul was one of the founding members of that. Uh, Paul is also the founder of the Ridgewood, Ridgewood Christmas Tree Project and was a Ridgewood basketball and softball coach for many years. He was an adjunct professor of public speaking at Manhattan College. And interestingly, he was also a columnist for the Ridgewood News. Paul served as a Fort Lee Board of Education trustee for six years, where he was the chairman of the Finance Committee. So it's no surprise that he has received numerous honors and accolades. He was the recipient of the 2021 New Jersey Governor's Jefferson Award, which is the highest honor in the country for community service. And he was also the recipient of a U.S. House of Representatives 2020 Hometown Hero Award. We'll discuss some of that and go into other details Paul is proficient in, such as the intricacies of state and municipal laws and regulations and Ridgewood's tax structure. But first, let me say a few words about Pam. Pam is a very proud graduate of the Ridgewood Public School System, and like Paul, she is also an attorney. She served as an assistant U.S. attorney for 30 years and is now a private law practitioner. Pam has been involved in civic leadership for decades, dedicating much of her attention to environmental issues, uh, specifically Green Ridgewood, which is a committee overseen by the village of Ridgewood. Pam was a member and vice president of the League of Women Voters of Ridgewood for many years and spearheaded numerous important 
in initiatives for the benefit of village residents. As the league's director of the Water and Environmental Committee, she worked closely with Ridgewood Water Director Rich Calby and through the years hosted numerous educational forums on irrigation and other key water issues. Pam was also the driving force behind the League of Women Voters Observer Corps, which for years she and other Observer Corps members attended council meetings and wrote reports to apprise residents of what took place at the meetings and to remind them about future agenda items. I remember Pam saying once that with the demise of trusted local news outlets, it's imperative that residents have an accurate account of what happens in local government. She's quoted as saying that the more residents know about and participate in local government, the more accountable and transparent our local government will be. So I know Jordan will agree that we here at Ridgewood Talks appreciate that stance, and we're grateful that Pam and Paul have agreed to be on our show. So thank you both for being here and congratulations. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Obviously, uh, your resumes are uh, are quite impressive. And Jeannie, I'm quite impressed you got through that whole thing. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes, we're very lucky to have these two very well-educated and very engaged political leaders leading our community. I couldn't be happier. Uh, so let's start off uh, by finding out about the Faulkner Act, as some of our listeners are not familiar with our form of governing. So Pam, can you just tell us why voters don't elect our mayor and deputy mayor? Sure. It has to do with our statutory foundation in the Faulkner Act, which is actually a series of state statutes. We have the choice under the Faulkner Act to adopt a wide range of types of structure for our government. And what Ridgewood decided several decades ago was to have the manager council form of government. And that can be for five council members, it can be for seven, it can be for nine, and our town went for five. What the council manager form of government means is that the manager is the executive. The manager directs the administration of the whole town, not the council or the mayor. The council is the legislative body in the first instance. So we pass the ordinances and approve contract, that sort of thing. And the manager serves at the discretion of the council. So unlike other towns, no one on the council runs the town in terms of the day-to-day work that has to get done. And so we also don't elect a mayor on that basis. Our council members are all equal and the mayor does not have any extra powers, but has the extra duty to run the meetings and perform marriages. So that's the only difference between a council member and our mayor. We act as a team. For that reason, we don't have an election per se among the residents to select a mayor because the position is not that important. So what is the process of nominating or and electing the mayor and deputy mayor? And also give us a brief idea of what your duties are as the deputy mayor. Sure. After every two-year election of council members, the elected members get together and 
discuss who should be mayor. It really is a negotiation that's not done in public. It's just between the five council members. Uh, it can change. The deputy mayor's position is just to fill in when the mayor can't appear. So if the mayor calls me up and says, hey, I have to be in two places at once. Can you go to the to the Boy Scouts gold gold award ceremony? I say, yeah, give me 10 minutes and I'll be there. And that's basically all it is. Or if the mayor gets sick, the deputy mayor steps in. So far, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and let, let me just let me just expound on that last part. You know, Pam said the key word in all of this. It's a team. This council, the supermajority of its members are all rowing in the same direction. And we work as a team in terms of the mayor and the deputy mayor. You know, Pam and I are, first, we are also fortunate to be on a team with so many capable people, really smart, really good, very, everyone is very selfless. And, and Pam and I, so fortunate to be working together. We are at the heart of this team. We're going to split the duties of mayor. This isn't going to be as Pam so nicely put it that she's going to be there when when I'm not there. No, we're going to we're going to do this together. I mean, we, you know, we've already discussed, for example, you know, the marriage thing. We're going to marry an equal number of people. We're going to go to an equal number of store openings. We're going to be at an equal number of uh, of Boy Scout and Girl Scout meetings. We're doing this together. And there's really, you, you know, the great thing about this is each of us is adopting different areas of village business. All right. So with that, um, both of you have stated on numerous occasions that you're committed to sharing accurate and timely information with Ridgewood residents and that you will thoughtfully consider the impact of the decisions made at the council level and represent the best interest of every resident in the village of Ridgewood. So how, um, starting with you, Paul, how do you intend to honor those promises? And then we'll go to Pam. Well, listen, communication is really the key. And, and, you know, this, this show and the work that our colleague Siobhan Winograd is doing to completely overhaul the village's communication process. I mean, we need a better website. We need to get the word out. You know, the, the problem is that for so many years, it's been inside baseball. If you know what's going on, then you know what's going on. And if you don't know what's going on, you're not going to find out, you know, because look, people have busy lives. Believe it or not, going to or watching all of the village council meetings it's not the highest on the priority list when you've got a couple of kids who have, you know, tests the next day and jobs and and life. And so it's part of our responsibility is getting the word out. It's not a question of, well, if they want to find out, all they have to do is tune in. No, we have to help them get the critical information. We sit in a meeting for four hours. They don't need to do that. We could probably summarize it in a in three or four paragraphs or in a two-minute portion of a podcast. So our responsibility. So um, I, I understand that you have all agreed that there will be a hybrid piece for your village council meetings now. And when will that start, Pam? As soon as possible. And I, I'm so excited about it. This really is an invitation to residents to listen in, to participate. And I think some of them will come just for the public comment and then sign off, but some of them will stay and listen to the rest of the meeting and learn things. And um, part of me thinks that in order to communicate, we certainly need to listen, but we also need to accost people and say, hey, this is really important. You need to know this. Lend us an ear. You know, people are really 
involved in their own lives. And I understand that. And so it's it's hard to get people's attention. And we have to make a big effort to do that. The more people that we can get involved and interested in what the village council is doing and what's happening in town, the better everyone will be because we need the ideas. We need the creativity. Right. So for those of you who are listening, there are a couple of ways for you to engage in the village council meetings right now. You can go on the village website and there's something called Swag It. And you can tune in, you can find out, you can listen to the meeting, you can't participate in the meeting from that uh, site, but you can also go and you can find the meetings on YouTube. Everything is aired there live. Again, you can't participate, but Paul, now do you have an actual date where people can come in at the hybrid and do public comment? Is there a date on that? We do. It is going to begin on January 25th. And, and I just want to say, in terms of our priorities, uh, the presumptive council had a long list of items to address. This was the very first item on our agenda. It was the very first thing we did. How, how will it work? Pretty straightforward. You can either, there will be a Zoom link and there will be a phone number. So if you want to Zoom, you click on the link, you go to what's called a waiting room, and then you will be called to give your public comment. And the same thing goes for dialing in on a phone and you'll be able to just wait until it's your turn. Because, you know, we anticipate there'll be, you know, several people who want to do this at every meeting and they'll just wait till it's their turn. They'll be prompted. And then they have three minutes at the beginning of the meeting and five minutes at the end of the meeting to make their public comment to the council. With instructions on the website as to how to get the link, how to what the phone number is, that sort of thing. I, I think this makes a, a tremendous difference, not only to have the public comment, but also just to make a greater effort to to allow people to get in in more convenient ways and, and to participate in more convenient ways. Because even if it's a small number who end up signing in or listening, you will just get more and more people who are able to access it and feel better about the electronic way to consume it. And I think as we all know, you know, there are people in town who ultimately, if people don't want to listen to it, they've got their friend that they like to tap on the shoulder and say, hey, what's really important that's going on in the council? And then that friend kind of becomes the, the representative for that group of people. So, so Paul, one of the things we want to uh, understand from you guys is what some of the big priorities are as we look forward to the year. So what are some of the things that you're most excited to tackle in 2023 as we look forward for the village? Well, and let me just say that my priorities and the, the council's priorities are the same. This is why we're we're rowing in the same direction because we have the same priorities, and so I I know I speak for my colleagues because we agreed on what we were going to tackle first, and immediately after hybrid access was the pedestrian plaza and dining corrals, which we believe was a was the seminal issue in this past election. The results of the election are very clear. There's a mandate from the residents. There's allegedly in a, a debate. Um, uh, involving some of the businesses in the central business district that, you know, some people want it, some people don't want it. Um, and, 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 I, and I'll put that aside completely. The residents want this. It's their town. They get what they want. And do I think it's going to be a game changer for the entire central business district, merchants and restaurants? Absolutely. This is our way forward in the Amazon economy. I've been doing this for 30 years. If you don't have something like this, this central business district will go the way of so many downtowns that have, have faded into obscurity. But 
we've seen the evidence and the data for the two years that we did this. This was uh, just the greatest thing. It was putting aside that it was great for everyone's business who participated. It was so much fun. I mean, we had a great time with it. So that that is absolutely at the top of the list. That's great. As we look at that and we say the pedestrian plaza and dining corrals, have you guys started to think about how it's going to be implemented, dates, timing? Is there any discussion there? Is that still work in progress? It, it is definitely a work in progress. We have an outline of dates, which is somewhere around middle of May, it will begin and it will go to at least the middle of September, um, at which point we will evaluate how it's going and determine whether or not we will continue it. I, I would not be the least bit surprised if it goes until the end of October uh, because the weather is nice. Um, usually through the end of October. And uh, there are a lot of people around who are looking for stuff to do on the weekends. And bear in mind, there's going to be entertainment. There's going to be bands. There's going to be lots of things to bring people out, stuff for the kids. And we have started to outline all of these things. And also, some towns have pedestrian plazas all year round, all week long. We have agreed that it would just be Saturday and Sunday we might experiment with a third day on either one side or the other of the week of a weekend, but uh, that's the way we're conceiving of it, a weekend pedestrian plaza. So who will be doing all of the organizing? Will it be the village council or who will be the people or the entities that are tasked with getting the entertainment and things like that? The driving force behind this was the Chamber of Commerce. Now, that being said, the Ridgewood Guild played a critical role in all of this. Many volunteers, one of whom is one of the hosts of this show, um, was there every weekend with me, moving tents, buying flowers, getting sandbags for, for things, um, and, and scheduling bands, you know, round the clock. So, you know, this is, you know, when, when, when we... When we took office last Wednesday night, I said to everybody, it's a team and like it or not, you're on it. Do something. And we need all hands on deck for this. Yeah, that's fun. So that sort of segues into our, our next topic. So because it is a team, as many residents as possible understand that they are the eyes and ears of our community, that you guys can't be everywhere. Our police can't be everywhere. Our village manager can't be everywhere. So we have numerous committees, commissions, and boards that people can volunteer to serve on. So with that, Pam, can you tell us about these commissions, committees, and boards? And then Paul, I want you to tell us you know, who, where you are the liaison to. So um, I know that we, also, we have three other council people. So Pam, if you can just share with us who is serving on what. And for our listeners, if you're interested in any of these things and you want to get involved, then pay clear attention to who the council liaison is, and then feel free to reach out to them via their email address at the village. And you can find that at the on the village website. Go ahead, Pam. Okay. Each of us on the council basically has a portfolio of the boards and committees that you're responsible for. So mine are the environmental teams, uh, Green Ridgewood, and the green team. Green team is a subset and it handles the certification for sustainable Jersey. I also am on the open space committee, which looks for properties that can become parks. 
and also the Central Business District Advisory Committee, which deals with the Central Business District. As it sounds, it's a mix of residents, business owners, and property owners. And Lorraine Reynolds is in charge of Project Pride that beautifies the downtown by planting flowers and that sort of thing. She's also responsible for the Citizen Safety Advisory Committee. And basically, that's where residents can go or business owners and talk to the committee about safety problems, particular sidewalks, particular intersections. They often discuss speeding. So that's a real interesting committee. And, and mind you, all these committees and boards are open to the public. All their meetings are open. She is also on the Cash Out Shell Memorial Committee. They are the ones who set up the programming for the summer. You know, every Tuesday and Thursday night at the Cash Out Shell, they have those performances, which are so much fun. Um, and then Paul it has the Ridgewood Board of Education. He meets with them every, uh, is that every week? Once a month. Or every month. Once a month. Uh-huh. And he also has the Chamber of Commerce. That's the board of directors for the Chamber of Commerce and the Ridgewood Community Center Advisory Board. And Paul, do they handle the scheduling at the community center in Village Hall? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Uh, also, Paul's on the stigma-free task, task force. Then Evan Weitz is on the July 4th committee. So that covers both the parade and the fireworks. That's actually a private committee because all the funds are raised privately. That is not funded by the village itself. Evan is also uh, the representative to the Library Board of Trustees. So there's communication there. The Historic Preservation Commission is also his, uh, his baby. And he's also the liaison to the Ridgewood Arts Council. Siobhan Winograd has the Fields Committee, which is both Board of Ed Fields and Municipal Fields. And she's also on the Parks, Recreation and Conservation Board, which deals with how we maintain our parks uh, and how we use them. Also, she's on the Shade Tree Commission and the Ridgewood Community Access Network. So that's how it breaks down. So if you want to communicate with any of the council members, uh, find out when those meetings are, you just put the first initial of their name, last name, and then at ridgewoodnj.net. It's very easy to contact us. If you have a suggestion or a complaint, I would suggest you write to all five of us and the village manager so that all of us know what your issue is. Did I answer the question? Perfectly. Thank you so much. Yes. So the boards and commissions and committees that you serve on, Pam, I know CBDAC is one of the largest. And I know that in some of the meetings, a lot of very important things have been discussed. And by the way, let me just add this for our listeners that Jordan Kaufman, our co-host here at Ridgewood Talks, is the chairperson for the Central Business District Advisory Committee. And so some of the things that you're discussing in those meetings is um, the possibility of developing a business improvement district. Tell us a little more about that, Pam. Oh, CBDAC is just a great committee where we're not um, flashy. 
we're more interstitial and thoughtful. It's the ideas that really count. We don't put on events, but we bring in speakers to address things like how is garbage collected? What are other towns doing in terms of parking or a special improvement district or a field trip to another town to, just to see what it's like? Um, what's their lighting like? What's their parking like? We also have brought in people from the village staff. The, the CFO, our chief financial officer, has come to speak to answer questions about budgeting and the parking utility and the garage. And so for anybody who wants to know what's going on in town, CBDAC is the place to visit. Uh, you really get an insider's view of what's happening and what can be done, what the stumbling blocks may be, how we can work around them, all of that. Uh, you get updated on the pedestrian plaza and uh, what's happening in terms of events. It's, it's just great. It's it's a real melting pot of ideas. So, Jordan, do you want to speak to the special improvement district, the possibility of forming something like that? Well, I think as, as Pam mentioned, one of the things about the CBDAC is it's really a place to get a bunch of diverse opinions and diverse perspectives to hear about and talk through what the pros and cons. It's a very considerate group. Uh, we do have a number of active guests, I'll call it, who are not actual members of the committee, but are leaders in the community and provide us additional insight, as well as additional hands in doing research or finding other speakers. And through that, uh, the item of Special Improvement District, or as it's more commonly uh, thought of as a business improvement district, although New Jersey's special, so it's a special improvement district in New Jersey. The, the item here is it's delicate. And the reason why is if you look in some other towns, they don't have some of the resources that Ridgewood has. So the consideration of a special improvement district and their decision to go forward with it was we could have nothing or we could have a special improvement district. And in lieu of nothing, a special improvement district is probably a better solution. The challenge Ridgewood has is we have so many active volunteers and fantastic other resources that there becomes a question of where is there unnecessary overlap and where does a special improvement district add value? And so really, I would say the discussion is still trying to hash that item out. And we're trying to involve other members who can help us understand that. Um, all those institutions, I would say, which provide many of the services that typically a special improvement district would provide uh, are involved in that discussion, uh, or at least their liaisons are certainly involved. It's something that that's evolving. And that's, I would probably add to something Paul's kind of echo echoing, which is this team aspect and something that really encourages me as I look at the council and I look at some of the things that we're doing going forward is this is a thoughtful group and it's a very team oriented group. Nobody's shoving anyone aside and, and bullying their opinion or view through. So you really have a constructive group that's working towards, it's not that everyone has the same vision, but everyone's working very constructively together as I see it. So 
that's how our committee is. I hope other committees are feeling the same way. I know our liaisons from other committees that engage with the CBDAC seem to be very, very positive about how their committees work together. So I, I really feel good about how everyone seems to be working together and operating. And that makes me feel like whether we choose to move forward with the sit or we don't, I feel like it's going to get everyone's input and it's ultimately going to be, um, if we decide to move forward, it, it's going to have the benefit of all that insight. Or if we decide there's other avenues that that will be from careful consideration and thought. Paul, I, I'm wondering if you can tag on to that, because I'm sure some of the elements that the community shared about the master plan um, sort of fall into that whole special improvement district idea, too. So why don't you share some of the goals that you have to implement some of the things from the master plan? Well, the, the master plan, basically, Central Business District talks about a lot of things that we've talked about, which is, you know, more pedestrian traffic. Um, an experiential retail and restaurant experience. And the Special Improvement District is, as Jordan said, you know, we're not like a lot of towns. I mean, we don't have a Chamber of Commerce. We essentially have two because we have the Bridgewood Guild that put on events that do all sorts of things that are that really cover much of the ground. What I see as the great advantage for a Special Improvement District is it's a financing vehicle for many of the things that we want to achieve. So pedestrian plaza costs eight to $10,000 a week to put on. Just so our listeners will be made aware, who absorbs the cost of that? The merchants and the restaurants. They, they so the village them. itself, the village itself does not put forth any financial. For not, the not, a, not a nickel. And in fact, we pay the village employees to set up the barricades and we also pay for the parking during the time that the parking meters are shut down on Ridgewood Avenue and the side street. And when you say we, you mean the merchants and the restaurants. The, merch the merchants and the restaurants, all the participating shop owners. So they foot the bell for all of it. Through the Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce is the central clearinghouse for all of these things. So the great thing about the CID is the CID can do that financing. Ultimately, it's still the shop owners and the restaurants that are paying for it, but it's just done in a more expeditious fashion through through their tax bill. So it's really great for many of the things that we want to do if we want to bring in, you know, bigger entertainment acts that cost money, you know, it would create a fund to do that. So, um, and in terms of like, the infrastructure necessary to shut the streets down. You know, there are vehicle defeating bollards that can be purchased. So this can facilitate all of the goals and objectives that we want. Be very clear, the SID or the BID does not fill the stores, does not bring the people. It's what you do with the money that the SID and the BID create. Right. And some of that would be doing some marketing to communities outside of Ridgewood. Absolutely. Marketing, yep. advertising, social media, all of that is are things that that this fund that that a SID creates can be utilized for. So let's move on, Pam. I'd like to hear from you about some of the elements of the master plan outside of the CBD of things that you would like to see implemented from the master plan. Well, one thing that covers both the CBD and the whole town would be revisiting the overall structure of our zoning program. 
What we have now is called inclusionary zoning. That is, sometime in the 1960s or 50s, they walked down the street, they saw what was there. They saw a clothing store, a toy store, a Woolworths, maybe a blacksmith, you know, whatever they saw, that was included. But now we have new things coming in, like Medispas and, and yogurt stores. The zoning doesn't recognize them, doesn't know what they are. So what we would suggest going towards is called exclusionary zoning. Just name the few things that you don't want here, okay? We don't want a ta tattoo parlor? Fine, put it on the list. So that's one thing. Another thing is we would like to see the process going through the building department to be a little streamlined, both for new tenants downtown and for homeowners. And we've been talking with the head of the building department, how that can be done. Maybe there's a checklist of do's and don'ts for applicants so that they don't make mistakes and have to come back. So those are two really important things that are mentioned in the action items for the master plan for the downtown, but it really does cover other aspects of the town. Also, what's in the master plan going back to something we've already discussed, is the flexible use of our streets. And that would cover the pedestrian plaza, and we're already moving towards that. I forgot to mention that there are also two boards. You had asked me before what boards. I forgot to say that I am assigned to the planning board. That has to do with subdivisions, and uh, there's also a zoning board of adjustment which is operates completely independently from the council. So that's open to the public. We don't participate in it. One thing I'd like to highlight in, in as we talk about the master plan, and Pam, this is something that you know we on the CBDAC spend a lot of time talking about. Jeannie asked you and Paul about what some of the biggest things are. Paul spent a lot of time talking about the pedestrian plaza and things like that. You talked about ordinances. And one of the things that we highlighted when discussing these items in the committee is what are the things that can be accomplished in short time frame to create value for residences, as well as doesn't lead to a big bill associated with it, right? It's not a huge capital project. And that was one of the things I thought was, was very cool about the master plan and the way it was structured is you really could see what takes a long time, what's easy, what's expensive. And it really laid that out kind of nicely. And I feel like that helped you guys in figuring out what some of the you know easy things to tackle were, that communication uh, initiative that we were talking about early in the show, another you know relatively cheap thing that has a lot of impact and value creation for the residents. So I just think for our listeners that your thoughtfulness towards you know budget and how those things are are play into where can we get the most bang for our buck in a sense is is part of your thought process. And I just kind of want to applaud you guys for that coming off of you know the huge job with the parking garage and everything else. I know people are a little bit, you know, sensitive around what the finances of the towns are and, and what taxes are going to be. And so it's really nice to hear you guys 
thinking um, through not only what the value proposition is, but also what the cost is associated. We have focused a lot of our attention on the central business district. And I'd like to focus on things that maybe are just for the ordinary taxpayer, just the ordinary homeowner, what some of the things are that are going to make their life better now that you are in office. I think definitely the communication aspect of this will make residents feel like they're more informed, included, uh, heard. I think that's that's almost on an emotional level, makes them feel more secure, like we are paying attention. I, I wouldn't undercut your, your zoning board and building department streamlining and efficiency. I think that every resident who has ever been to the zoning board or through the building process in the town is cheering and jumping up and down at the idea of that process being less painful. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Paul, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about all of the great things that this new council has in store for the central business district, which also includes, of course, our homeowners, our, you know, our residents. I'd like to talk about some things that you are very well informed about when it comes to somehow getting the central business district to absorb some of the larger tax burden of our village. Is there, is there something uh, really that you can glad add you asked to that? Me that? I'm really glad. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on that. Um, I'm really glad you asked me that. You know, somewhere around 15 years ago, the Central Business District shouldered about 13% of the village's tax burden. Today, we shoulder a little less than nine, which means that that just shifts to the residential taxpayer. And what's happened is, again, I've been here for a long time. As the traffic subsides in the Central Business District, revenues subside. When the revenues subside, the rents go down. So contrary to popular belief that, that the reason that people are going out of business is because the rents are so high, the rents are lower than they have ever been um, in the time that I've been here. And that's because there's not enough revenue to support high rents. So when you have lower rents in a commercial building, what that means is that the assessed value of the building is lower. Simply put, if the rent on a building is $5 a month and it's assessed for $100, then the tax is based upon that. If the rent is $10 a month, then the assessed value will be $200 and the tax revenue will be doubled. So as the revenues have subsided, tax burden has shifted to the residential tax taxpayer. What we hope to achieve with the changes that we're making is to shift the burden back onto the central business district. And let's think about this in terms of a town that we know. Paramus is widely known as a town that has very reasonable taxes. That's because they have great rateables. What's a rateable? The malls. The malls, the stores, they shoulder the tax burden for Paramus. That's why the residential taxpayer in Paramus has less expensive taxes than in Ridgewood. We hope to shift it back to the central business district. Now, that's not to say that our homeowners' taxes will decrease, but they could freeze for a while. Is that kind sure. of say? Let, let, me, let me be abundantly clear. Nobody's taxes on the planet Earth will ever go down, no matter what anybody says. But what this would do is they would rise at a slower rate. And that's what we hope to achieve is to is to make it better for the residential taxpayer. Always remember the revenue stream for the village of Ridgewood. Yes, we make money on parking. We make money on a number of things. We are a tax revenue generating business. That's where virtually all our money comes from. And so that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that 
the central business district is thriving. And it's not just good for the central business district. It's good for all the residential taxpayers. Yes. So we're coming down to the close of this episode. So I would like to hear from each of you a little more about what you hope to see when we interview you a year from now, what will be some of the things that you can state as an accomplishment? Pam? Uh, I would like to say that our downtown has something going for it, that the big malls and Paramus and the highways don't have going for them, and that is our small businesses. You can see on Route 17, Kmart and Lord and & Taylor's and Barnes and & Noble's going out of business. So to the extent that Paramus is relying on their rateables, boy, they are going to be losing out. And we don't have that problem because we rely mostly on small businesses. And that's really a strength in Ridgewood. I'd like to see more small businesses in Ridgewood. A year from now, I'd like to see all our storefronts fill. If we can do that kind of business recruitment, we will have done the taxpayers an enormous service. The other thing I'd like to see a year from now is on the environmental front. We just passed the ordinances for, well, we're about to engage a consultant for our EAGER program, which is the Encouraging Alternative Green Energy for Ridgewood. That's going to cover all our residents in terms of their electricity bills. We hope to get a higher renewable content of um, wind and solar sourced electricity. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, in the next year, I'd like us to address flooding as well. Stormwater management is very important right now. 10 years ago, I would have said that is such a snooze, but it really is important to our residents who live along the Hohokus Brook, the, the Saddle River, and other places in town that just happen to be low-lying. it's It affects a lot of our residents, and I'd like to come up with a plan for maintaining our stormwater drains and pipes and possibly working with other towns up and down these two waterways that I just mentioned. EV vehicles are the wave of the future. We need to look at our vehicle fleet and see which ones can be converted to EV vehicles so that we are not burning fossil fuels and adding to the climate crisis. I really think that um, reducing our carbon emissions is key for our children and our grandchildren. Thank you for that, Pam. That's a very lofty agenda for the next year, but I appreciate your efforts. And Paul, how about you? Let's start with Pam covered so many key goals for all of us. Um, and so I am so happy to be working with her on all of these things. But I have two other goals, and I will address them in ascending order. First, you know, Ridgewood forever has been known as a great place to raise your family. One day when we move on, I want Ridgewood to be known as a great place to live once you have raised your family. I want this to be a hub for seniors with activities galore. Pickleball is, you know, just the tip of the iceberg. And we have a great parks and rec program. And, you know, I've had many discussions with the head of that department for many years, uh, Nancy Biggles, who's just fabulous, that we need more programming, more things 
more stuff for seniors to do. And by the way, do I think it's great? Yeah, I think it's terrific. At the end of the day, this will affect our tax base because seniors, two thirds of, of your taxes go to schools. The more seniors you have, the less money you have to spend on schools. So this works hand in glove for everyone. So, you know, because look, my wife and I, we don't ever want to leave here. And we want there to be lots of stuff for us and for everyone we know. Now, here's my number one priority. It's more important than seniors, than pedestrian plaza, than EV vehicles, than everything. The climate in this country, and I'm not talking about global warming, I'm talking about the dialogue in our country has become toxic. And we've all been in council meetings where we are as bad as anybody. That, that, that doesn't have to change. That's going to change. That is going to change. I promise you, this council is so committed to this. And what we have said is, we need your criticism. We need it. We need to know what we're doing right. We need to know what we're doing wrong. And please come and, and tell us passionately what you need for us to do to make life better. But do it respectfully. And you will get nothing but respect from us. If nothing else is achieved, that's the one thing we have to achieve. We have no choice. We have to set a better example for our children and for our neighbors and for everyone. So that's what's most important to me. I just want to thank you not only for that, but I want to thank you both, not only for being on the show today and, and sharing your thoughts and, and visions and, and the work you have planned ahead. But I also want to remind our listeners and thank you for your service to our community. Uh, you both do a ton. You're extremely smart. You're considerate. Uh, I've always enjoyed working with both of you and you are volunteers. Uh, you, all the members of the council, the mayor, the deputy mayor, this is your volunteered time to help out the community. You volunteer in so many other ways. Even during this conversation, Paul's helping out with Feed the Frontline, which again is a volunteer effort of his. Uh, Pam, I, I see you all the time doing volunteer efforts to clean up ponds and parks and things like that in Ridgewood. You both give an enormous service to this town. And I just want to remind folks, especially on the heels of your comments about uh, respect towards not only public servants, but also towards really the passion and effort you guys pour into the town, which I've seen personally, and I really appreciate. And so I just want to voice my own thank you to you for all you guys do. You know, I, I hope you know that uh, many of us, and I hope more of us appreciate that effort. I want to thank you both, too, for all the ways that you contribute to our community. And for those of you listening who aren't aware of this, the deputy mayor and the mayor receive a small stipend. They do not get paid for their service. And both Paul and Pam have volunteered to donate their stipend to, I, I can't remember, where are you donating it to, Pam? I donated $1,000 towards tree planting in the CBD. And I'm still thinking about where the next 2000 should go. Great. And Paul? I'm donating my entire stipend for this year to the Gold Star Monument Fund. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. And again, thank you both so much for putting your hat into the ring and for really dancing around the ring and, and wanting people to take their gloves off and to work in a very civil and fair way for the benefit of all. Thanks so much for being on our show today. Our pleasure. Hey, good job, guys.